0: I'm Jason Klom, and this is Comedy on Vinyl. Soak up the night, the artist Matt Bronger and my guest, Josh Gondelman.
1: Thank you so much for doing the show hey thank you for having me what a what a, a quick and information-packed intro
0: <laughs> i never used to do it until somebody was like you know it'd be really good to get a little context for you get started rather than you guys just bullshitting i'm like
1: you know what you're probably
0: right and then uh yeah, no but so, that's you know, that,
1: that's so that's so good i think like that's all you need there i think there's like a real mm-hmm. spectrum of of podcast intros right based uh ranging from like, like you're dropped in in media res, like mm-hmm. middle of a car chase style uh-huh. conversation, and then there's on the other side of the spectrum, there's like the long, like twenty minute host kind uh, of <laughs> being like, "Well, he, I'm this is people want to hear me, a- and I have things to say to them." Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think anywhere on that spectrum is valid, but I sure. appreciate how much bang for your buck your intro <laughs> gives.
0: It used to honestly be the in media res version, and then. Uh, it was pointed out to me and i started to realize oh sometimes we don't talk, tell why we're here at all like it, mm-hmm. it, it takes like 30 minutes we're like oh yeah this, there's this album
1: we're here to talk yes. about yes
0: yeah, yeah 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 which sometimes it, yeah. Like,
1: especially for new listeners i find that disorienting when oh, i'm listening yeah. to something for the first time and, and and not that the conversation can't be free flowing or whatever sure. and, but when you when you tune into something where you're like oh yeah every year we talk about a different uh <laughs> running of the indie right. 500 and then for the first 30 minutes you're like oh they're wait a minute they're just talking about like taco salad and uh <laughs> and so it's helpful if you just yeah to set the to set the intention yeah. so I, I mean that I'm not I'm not being snarky at all I'm oh very for sure no no no, it.
0: I appreciate it I uh, you picked one of the more recent I like when people do this I just also like when newer albums are released on vinyl yeah uh, it looks like that was released in its original re- he must have actually stuck to let's get it on vinyl or his company did. Which uh boy, oh boy, and I realized I'd never heard one of
1: his albums before. I've seen him do stand up, but yeah, oh man, it's so fun i I didn't I don't think I own this album on vinyl, mm-hmm. but i I called it on the technicality of knowing it was on vinyl and Fair. and loving vinyl albums um and I think there were lots of there are lots of old ones mm-hmm. you know, I but I'm like I, I like a good recency bias. Honestly, mm-hmm. I like to sink into that. I'm not saying like George Carlin is bad. George sure. Carlin was a, a brilliant comedian, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. Sure. But um, I do think that I do think in a lot of different art forms we have the tendency to either to, to lionize uh, stuff that's old that we remember loving in the past, mm-hmm. or the thing that's happening like in this moment, right? To be like, oh, this is the new groundbreaking thing. But I think there's like this middle distance of art that's like really nice to, that's not nostalgia, but it's just like time keeps passing and sometimes things stay good and that it's worth talking about that. What's the
0: bonus to this is I think a lot of people have assumed since the beginning, and it's fine if that's how they treat it, um, as a nostalgia show, but the reason I pick vinyl is less about old timey comedy and more about that's how I shared comedy with my friends early. So whatever the hell enables you to either share stuff with people or, you know, it doesn't doesn't fucking matter. Time period doesn't matter as long as it was released. That,
1: you I know. mean, that's what we had. We had that in my in my house when I was a kid, mm-hmm. my we had like Smothers Brothers records. Yes. And like, I mean, this is I every time I say this, it feels so fraught. But we had like Bill Cosby records, you know, and like everybody there was. Yeah. And uh, I don't think how how bad a man he is and was erases that memory. Necessarily. Sure. No, it doesn't. No. There's just kind of a Mark McGuire asterisk next to <laughs> next to like, I used to listen to this, but of course that's, I wouldn't do that now. Right, but like right. that was, that was stuff that was like around. And I, I liked the um I think actually weirdly vinyl is an excellent, it's an exceptional medium for comedy because it it like lends itself to uninterrupted listening or listening with one interruption to flip to flip sure, the record, yeah. right? And I think that's like a really, that is the ideal way to listen to a comedy album.
0: I think so. Keeps you engaged too. It's one of those things where if I'm not listening, because I had to listen to this on YouTube. I don't own this. I don't yeah. own it on, on vinyl. So I had to listen on YouTube. So I did have, occasionally I would just step away and do, I'm like, oh, fuck, no, you're getting distracted. Whereas yep. again, if I had to actively listen to the vinyl, I'm at least in the room you know so yes of course uh, yeah that's the big part of it
1: and and I like I mean I think the to me the idea of having a physical media now is like or to or to having an album in physical media now is like fun and impractical yeah Uh, so so I like vinyl I did I my last album is on vinyl my Mm -hmm. previous album was on cassette uh which is very fun to me To do and it comes the cassette came with a download card as well um but i think the vinyl is like the it's like a fun thing to have in the home i have a few records um you you know like uh when ted leo a couple years ago did a kickstarter for his new album to Mm -hmm. to self-fund um i got the vinyl for that because it's like it is a nice physical it's a beautiful physical item it's a beautiful piece of
0: art i mean i've got you can't see it but i have a wall of about 12 records over here that are like favorites or any of them? Yeah, a couple of them are signed and then spattered throughout here just because they do. They make, they make okay decorations that don't make you look like a slob.
1: You know? It's, I think it's like, it's certainly a cut above like movie poster. <laughs> yes. To be fair, I have those, but yes, I get it. I get it. I know it's, you have. I'm not to... saying not to. I'm just saying like on the Pantheon, <laughs> this course, is, it's course. like a little, a little <laughs> smaller, a little, you know, a, and a little, I think the, the, uh, quaintness of the medium is mm-hmm. like blends it to better decor I think uh, so. and it feels it feels slightly less like dormy again no offense no no I'm not
0: gonna take any offense to that no why would I take offense to that that's fine <laughs> it's fine uh where okay I actually so you're a bit younger than I am so I'm curious as to when you first because I don't know when I did when you first heard Matt Bronger or saw him and then what made you pick the album up
1: I think I'd seen him on I must've seen him on comedy central on like live at Gotham or something. Okay. And I, I had started doing, so 2009, I'd been doing comedy for a little while mm-hmm. and I, uh, and I was very attuned. I'm like some comedians, I think don't like to watch a lot of comedy. <laughs> they find, you know, they find it kind of like keep work at work or whatever, or like they, yeah, they sure. prefer to draw inspiration from other, uh, types of art. But I really I really like watching comedy, which is one of the reasons I like doing comedy. And Mm -hmm. so I think I saw him on maybe Live at Gotham and then saw his Letterman, which he mentions on the album, so it must have been before Mm -hmm. on um on YouTube. And and I was like, oh I like this guy. And I think I must have had a friend that knew him or something. Sure. Sure. Or maybe seen his comedy Central Half Hour. Like there was something there must have been something, but I, I think I paid to download the album pretty close to when it came out. And like, this is the other thing, Matt and I are friends now, but we uh-huh. were not at the time. We weren't enemies. We just didn't know each other. <laughs> so, um, it, but it is like, it is, this album is like from an era where I was listening to a lot of comedy aspirationally. Not yeah. just because not not just as like appreciation, not just as a fan, but I would listen to it and be like, someday I want to be have that level of mastery. And this right. was one of those albums. This and um, I remember being I went on a road trip in two thousand nine, and for like a month, and we listened to a couple of comedy albums, a bunch, and this was one. And um, John Mullaney's album, The Top Part, was mm-hmm. another one. Uh, and and th- those were a couple of the people that. I really, I was like, oh, these are the, the, the next wave, you know, like these are the people that are like the, like I didn't, I think coming from, I like was just kind of gaining the appreciation for like the different levels of famousness in comedy. Cause to me, anyone that I saw on TV other than like Jerry Seinfeld felt fairly equally famous yeah and so i was like so i was like these are the next these are the the new big guys mm-hmm. and i think they've 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 become that even if in 2009 you know neither was a, a household household name yet sure do you, but is com- it- comedy is such a long game it's true. I mean, that is true. I mean,
0: I also, to be fair, I had no idea that uh, Matt was uh, roughly six years older than I am. He doesn't strike me as he just seems like he's been a young comic ever since I've seen him. It's yeah, weird. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's so playful on stage, and we can get into talking about the album specifically, yeah. but I think that there's, it, it's not a f- false youthfulness. He's no, like, no. he's very. Uh, silly and playful and energetic on stage in a way that I think serves the material so well, and that's one of the things I uh, I love uh, ab- about his work. There's just like so much whimsy mm-hmm. that is that is innate to the comedy, and it's not like bells and whistles. It's just like what he thinks is fun and funny, and that's how it how how he creates it generates material.
0: There's not a lot of comics necessarily who. It- I'm very easily intimidated, let's just say. So Mm -hmm. if a comic is as big and I think he's rather imposing looking um, and loud as he is, I normally would be instantly turned off except there's something about his energy where I'm like, Oh no, I'm, I'm on board the entire time. He
1: has such a welcoming energy. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is like a quality in comedy that sometimes people don't, um, don't value as much when they're just like talking about it, analyzing it. Um, that that because it's a little different than being like likable on stage, right? I sure. think that's like a slightly different thing. Cause there's lots of different ways to be likable. Yeah. Um, but but like a a warm welcoming energy is a very kind of it's like a lovely thing. And it's something I really again, I aspire to. It's really aspirational to me to like hear all these kinds of different bits and, and like the um the feeling behind them is like uh the the feeling behind them was like, hey, come here, I gotta tell you something, which is like one of my favorite I was just I was just talking to a friend about her writing. And and that's like one of my favorite qualities in art is like when it feels like the person creating it is really enthusiastic to share it with you rather than doing it at
0: you. Mm-hmm. This is a period that, it, you know, and I'm here's the thing. I will not say that I'm super educated in like different notches and periods of comedy, but you know, there's there's, you know, alt or whatever the fuck alt actually was, right? And this is just post that enough where it is not slathered in irony. Um, there are influences mm-hmm. from alt comedy that I can definitely hear, but I also like his take on them. And again, yeah. there's the enthusiasm and the just it does feel like you're just hanging out with him at a party in a good way and he's telling you these great fucking things that he just thought about. And I don't know, like it just again brings you along.
1: Yeah, there, and there's so much craft behind it, right? Between the writing and the the stagecraft of the the act outs that you can you can hear even if you can't see, like that la- the last bit on the album about owls. I think there's like a lot of physical stuff too, from from remembering seeing it on Letterman and stuff. But um, but just like the craft of like uh, characters and singing and and acting these acting these things out. So it, so to make that kind of stuff to have something be so intentional and and practiced and and expert but to feel really like intimate and and, like you said like off the cuff is like a real a real pleasure um and and it's so fun not that that's the the only way to do things I think there's a lot of different you know there are people who do 60 their hours 60 minutes of impeccable one-liners and I think that's also like an incredible Wonderful feat to, to sustain That level of writing like someone like A um, like a Brian Kylie mm-hmm. Even who does who does short Jokes and just like uh, a hun- Like his hour I think I heard him in an interview maybe with on, on WTF or something with Mark Maron say mm-hmm. Like when he does an hour He has to remember 120 jokes <laughs>
0: Right right
1: <laughs> which is like That's so daunting and so Precise and so um, Such a wonderful way to To do that
0: it's clearly also, but I mean, and one of the things that I feel like maybe a Brian Kylie might underestimate about himself is it is something he has, that is part of him. I mean, I interviewed him once and I do remember part, at least some of the conversation being, oh, I've got some shit at the ready, no matter what you say. That is a oh, part yeah, of yeah, it, yeah. you know, you've got ammo
1: if you're that yes. kind of comic. I, I mean, he's written so many jokes. Brian Kiley, um, big shout out to Brian Kylie. a a very kind man and an incredible joke yes. writer. Uh, and, a, and I'm also like very partial to... um to, to Massachusetts comics from Massachusetts originally and sure. so I have a lot of there's like a big space in my heart uh, for for Brian who's who has been so kind uh, to me just like we, we've met you know very seldom but he's always been like so so warm and, and lovely
0: at what point did it did it, you ever have a moment uh, after becoming friends with Matt where you're like oh this is strange i I, I definitely grew up comedy wise with his material. I mean, that's strange I, to me, or did it I, not ever occur?
1: I always feel, um, I mean, I've had, like, the real good fortune to become friendly with a lot of people I really like and admire, or at least to to work with them under friendly and cordial circumstances. Sure. And, and so I get, I've been getting increasingly good and comfortable with, like, expressing that, because I don't think anybody is mad at... uh at hearing that right like hey you know like this stuff when I was starting because I think he probably started a little before me but but not that much so it's it's not like I think there there's a way in which you can be like hey man when I was seven years old I heard your first record and people are like I'm old as hell but (laughs) that's not what this was this was like this came out when I was five years into comedy and maybe he was a couple years beyond that but I was like oh this is this is how it's done i think i was kind of still doing it um on a on a little on a little more of a part-time provincial level you know like um getting out on the road a little bit but not in a, a way that was like financially sustainable certainly and so it was very um the boston scene is really great but i think i my um the scope of what I was attempting and doing was fairly limited, and i also not not to be um self deprecating but like i'm a i'm a i'm a stand up comedian but i'm not a full time stand up like i i have mm-hmm. i generally make make my living in in writers' rooms you know and stand up is like a thing that I do a lot, but as a job it's like a um a side job, so i still uh have a lot of like reverence and appreciation for the people who are like doing a new hour like twice as fast as I can put out a new hour and like mm-hmm. ha- like building these skills and 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 cultivating this material that's like road tested all the time so mm-hmm. it's it's uh even still I there I have friends that are you know colleagues and peers in, in the way that like we work together we're friendly um we hang out we we talk and like I talk as peers but i still feel a level of like admiration for for that not that like what i do is uh bad or like i'm you know not that i'm an inauthentic comedian but i'm like damn that that is a a being able to do comedy in that way is so um arduous and and admirable and, and the results are so wonderful to see Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's healthy to continue to appreciate that
0: stuff. I mean, you see what happens when people don't, so, you know, yeah, for
1: sure. And, and it's also like, as a, as a friend and a fan of, um, of a lot of people, you know, a lot of my peers and friends, I'm a fan of, uh, it's nice that like, I get a new album or, you know, I get to see a new hour every year and a half or every 20 months from, some people that i that I really like. And and I, instead of beating myself up about like, man, it's going to take me three years to get this new hour together and put out a new or four years or whatever. Um, I instead try to be more appreciative of like, man, look the, and and be like dazzled by the skill of the people that I, I admire and, and the skill and the work ethic and the, um, the output.
0: Yeah. It's something that I can't, I can't relate to because it's not like putting out a few podcasts a week is at all the same. I literally get to sit and listen to fascinating people talk and it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, good Christ. I mean, there's just, just even having the skill to observe that amount of things in an entire year or year and a half. Yeah.
1: It's really impressive that just like to have that many new thoughts and then to filter them through the lens of comedy is so, um, it's it's so delightful. I think that's. I mean, it's not that. It's the most impressive part of a new hour to me mm-hmm. isn't like the quantity of words or jokes. It's like you said, the the quantity of like ideas. Yeah, yeah. That's did- like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please. Because like I don't know. I think there's enough. You 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 get good enough at comedy. You can you can write the jokes. Like you can write an hour of jokes about like more or less anything. Right. But Mm -hmm. like to have it feel like urgent and lively and inspired to that performer and, and to, and as an audience member to be like, shoot, I never thought about it that way. Or like, damn, what a, what an incredible, uh, you really cracked that nut is like, um, that's like the real special stuff.
0: I love, there's so much about this album that is, um, the good version of elevating parts, like unnecess- unnecessarily elevating pops of parts of pop culture to like just this exaggerated type of uh, discussion and expression where like he's literally doing a whole bit about how stupid the Piano Man is and it leads into other things. Mm-hmm. But they're just elevating it in a way that I haven't heard anybody do in a while. Yeah. And this is a 10-year-old album, so. Yep.
1: And piano, the Piano Man bit, I mean, there's like the standard Piano Man jokes of like, uh, what's a real estate novelist? You know, I think like everybody has has picked that sure. Billy Joel sure. classic apart, but like his is just the like the hubris of Billy Joel, mm. which is so funny just to take on like oh he's so proud of himself, which is similarly I. I have like, this isn't even a joke I do on stage, but I always think about when I'm in the song, um, I have a similar feeling towards, uh, you know, the song Jack and Diane by John Mellencamp sure, yeah. where he starts off. here's a little ditty about Jack and Diane. It's like, He's being so mock self-effacing, like little Diddy. Like you know, this is gonna get a huge push from the label. It's gonna be like a top ten hit. Here's here's my little Diddy. Shut up, Melon Camp. You know what you're doing.
0: <laughs> I mean, is it? I mean, that's uh, that feels like this entire album. This entire album is, uh, you know, it is. I don't know. It, uh, thematically, what does this album
1: feel like to you? I think it is. Gosh, that's such a good question. It's also intentionally very vague in general. That's okay. I think thematically when I listen to this album it's there's like a sense of wonder like uh almost like wide-eyed skepticism. Yeah. If that if that makes sense which I, I don't like think that. it does, but it's oh, like it this does. this sense of wonder complete with like how like you you can't love everything, right? I mean, yeah. that is the title of the new Pat Oswalt special is I Love Everything, <laughs> which is a little tongue-in-cheek. But, like, you can't look at the world with wide open eyes and be like, it's all glorious. But yeah. it's, like, someone who is endeavoring to look at the world with wide open eyes and seeing these, like, beautiful, pure moments, like the joke about the writing on the bathroom stall, right? <laughs> Just to notice that and convey it and, like, the you know part of the joke is here was something I saw in a bathroom stall that was funny, and then the rest of the joke is like, what poetry that is, right? How impressed he is with that, uh, that kind of like, quotidian uh, excellence and impact. So mm-hmm. that's one thing. So he he kind of has this like. Um, this sieve with an incredibly wide bore that's taking in everything Mm -hmm. and then just catching these big chunks of like, what's that? And, uh, and so you get this kind of um, this like delight and, uh, but also this, like this kind of level of like, well, that ain't right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. And so it's like someone who is, who has a lot of enthusiasm, but also like a sense of, uh, not quite justice, but a <laughs> sense of like what is good and what is yeah. Bad.
0: That's fair. I I I like that it's also flavored. And this is by the way totally informed by the artwork of the album, which is him in front of uh, this this great cityscape. Um, that says so, <laughs> soak in the night with the soak up the night with this crazy rock font kind of yeah. Uh, there's something about that that flavors my perception. So I I picture everything that happens on the record as happening during the night. And therefore, it's kind of cozy and personal. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those situations where, oh yeah, the album art for sure affected how I thought about the whole record.
1: The the album art is great. Yeah, the, the like the photo is great with the with a loosened skinny necktie and the shirt with one button open and the mm-hmm. cityscape, like you're saying. Which the skinny, cityscape is so. Like evocative, and the font is so evocative, and it, yeah, it really, and even the title, right? Soak Up the Night. Like, there's so many lines on this album that I think, if he wanted to project a different vibe and energy for the album, would have made great titles. Like, sure, the, he has that the joke, um, gosh, that I, th- I think it's tucked into the joke about the commercial for Summer's Eve where he talks about how. He is like the fattest seahorse, <laughs> and like the fat fattest seahorse is like a very <laughs> funny title, but that's not what the like soak up the night. When you're talking about the themes of the album, mm-hmm. it, that's that's it, right? It's like take it all in, baby. Yeah. Like look at this. um <laughs> Like here, look th- this whole this whole world we're living in, all the the kind of grimy and dumb parts, as well as all the things that I that we love. Um, like, because the, the, there's so much that's like, there's so much of the stuff that's like, I don't think this is very good. Is like the the um, explicit statement within a bit, right? I don't yeah. think um, I I don't think this is like a this is the right way to do that. But at the same time, the the there's not a lot of cynicism yes. in the, it, to it. It's like the, it, it leads into a playfulness, right? Like the, even the, there's that joke about marble. I love that. Or actually this joke starts. I love when a business takes an existing business model and slightly changes the name, right? So there's like Coldstone Cream, creamer, Coldstone creamery is the one he talks about. And there's a place called marble slab creamery. <laughs> and then the whole bit is just about how that sounds like a, uh, tombstone and then it just is like a very silly like man shotgun to death creamery like it's so silly and takes the it like takes the bit to a logical extreme of like if if someone showed me their notebook and it was like hey Coldstone creamery that's kind of like like uh or marble slab creamery that's like Coldstone, but like for a tombstone you'd be like sure keep writing sure and uh and then he did and the bit is just like this huge hilarious like act out of being served ice cream that looks like a dead man and it's so <laughs> funny and and it sounds bleak you know just so to like dark. describe the bit but it, it's also there it, there's so much whimsy and enthusiasm to it that it's you're not like you're thinking about a, a dead person mm-hmm. but at the same time you're not like contemplating your own mortality. <laughs> right.
0: I mean, there are a lot of times when something will come up like this. I'll be like, Oh, that just revealed to me. Maybe a darkness I didn't detect before. Whereas mm-hmm. with him, I'm like, no, I think his general thing is I'm digging just enough under the surface and fucking with it. I don't feel like he's this dark, like secret creep of a person. You know, it doesn't no. feel that way. It's just like, no,
1: this is just a funny idea. Do you enjoy yeah. this funny
0: idea? And yeah, I, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's, that's a very, Um, a very special quality to do in a way that is so again to to like keep coming back to the same thing so welcoming and inviting right like to to create jokes that are you know 11 years is a long comedy time and there's so much stuff from 11 years ago there's stuff from in my act from 11 years ago Mm -hmm. that i'm like oh god i would i would love to for no one to ever hear it it was too mean-spirited or just like not informed enough not hateful but like even stuff that you're you just kind of toss off that's like man i wish this were i I wish I had done this better. Yep. And and for something to be fun and warm 11 years later and not feel out of step, I think there's like a few people that do that so well. Like, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you listen to like 30-year-old Brian Regan
0: mm-hmm.
1: stuff and and that feels like, you know, his, his style at the time was like, it feels a little older than this Mm -hmm. but like for those jokes to stand up and still make people feel good in a way that is unique is really special yeah Uh, excuse me the joke about i mean one of my favorite all-time bits is the reason that i came to this album first Mm -hmm. was is one of my favorite all-time bits is the bit about bed calzones um (laughs) because it's so nonsense but he takes it so seriously the premise of the bit is i lost a little weight recently um, and you know, it's nothing big. I just stopped eating bed calzones, and then he describes bed calzones, which are what they sound like—a calzone you eat in bed, the off of your pillow—as a- like a thing we all experience yes. from our like nurturing mothers who just wanted us to grow up strong and healthy who would make us eat calzones in bed every night Mm -hmm. and it's so the premise is so silly but it comes from like enough of a real place of like we all know caregivers who are like that right yeah that's that's how they express love and this is like the absolute cartoon extreme, but the way he gets into it of like, I lost a little weight, I stopped eating bed calzones, is like so silly and surreal. And I think the first time I heard it, I was like driving in a car with a friend, just both of us like screaming. at <laughs> how funny the, like the, cause there's no way you're, you just can't prepare yourself to hear the words bed calzones for the no. first time. Cause there's no precedent for it. And mm-hmm. even the joke leading up to it, does not you don't expect to hear Mm-mm. that? <laughs> like that's because that's nothing. It's like a new thing. Also on paper, it's nothing. It's not a joke
0: on paper. Again, but again, full commitment and development. Full, of full commitment
1: and development, oh. and and it's not like he's getting something over by selling an empty calories, no pun intended premise, right? Mm-hmm. He is investing this really silly idea with a, with real stakes yeah. of like, remember what it was like to be a child mm-hmm. and you, and you would be fed and like, and the, the like depth behind it is like, you know, there's a period in your life where, where grownups, you're a child and grownups make all your decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and then some of that just sticks with you. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there are things from your childhood that you do as an adult that you don't know why you do. It's just the way you do it because it's the way someone taught you to do it. And you've never, it's always worked. You've never had or maybe it hasn't worked and you've Mm -hmm. just never had reason to, or inclination to interrogate that. And I think that that's like such a, that, that is the emotional heft of this bit. Yeah. But the phrase bed Calzones (laughs) is so funny and silly uh, and I just, like, love it. I've, like, played, I it, I think I made, I've, like, it occurred to me, like, two years ago, just, like, I had bed zones, It's been a while. And I, like, made my wife listen to it in bed. I played it on, on my <laughs> phone for her. Like, it's just such a, um. it, I don't, I can't explain fully, but that bit, there's something about it that, like, is the shortcut to to so much of what I think is funny. I think it's also, it feels like, Again,
0: and I not being a stand-up, uh, you know, I, I have limited experience with with this, but it feels like a really insanely well-developed bridging bit because it does bridge those two bits, the weightlifting to the Smiths and Christmas yep. songs beautifully and perfectly. It is also a perfect standalone bit, but it, it yeah. does feel like a crazy bridge where he's just like,
1: how far can I take this bridging piece? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it because the the um, the premise of it is so uh it's it's a thing people expect to hear, right? Mm-hmm. I lost a little weight recently. Is like that's not the first time you've heard that, probably at either at a live comedy show or from a comedian, right? That's right. like a, a premise that that many people have made unique and and specific comedy from. Yep. But like this is different than all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's such a it's such a fun Trojan horse to, you know, it would be like um if you were like so i i got engaged and then the bit was about like uh stealing engagement rings from a jewelry store you right. know what i mean it's like yeah. so it it's so tangential to the original premise that that gets you in the door because i think if you started with like hey, I just stopped eating bed calzones. People would be like, where is that coming from? But to like give such a, a familiar like, here, let me extend my hand to you audience <a- laughs> and tell you where I'm coming from and then just like immediately switch it into this total nonsense bit is so fun.
0: I shouldn't be relating to the bit because it's it's nonsense, but it still feels very something like it's so
1: familiar, but it should yeah. be. It's perfect. It's it's really delightful. And so that was when I remembered that this album was on vinyl. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is one of my all time favorite jokes. And and so I would love to talk about it.
0: Uh, There is. um... So Eggly Bagel Face is real. I looked this person up.
1: That's incredible.
0: And I mean, I will not tell anybody the spelling because their address is freely available. Their phone number is not. I kind of wonder. I wonder because they no longer live where he said that they live. So I now wonder, like, do they know that there's a bit about them out there? I
1: really want to. I Someone want to write this must have. A letter. Someone it, it, must <laughs> have told Bagel <Eggly> Bagelface <laughs> that they're the topic of public fascination.
0: Right, right. And it's such a dumb bit. Where I mean, there's no way this is real. It's like, there's a part of my brain's like, "Fuck you." No, nope. it's very funny. I love it. But there's no. And I look it up. I had to do a little side searching. I'm like,
1: holy shit, this is a real thing it's so it's so much funnier when it's real because anyone can make up a funny name exactly
0: that's why like it has to be real but i'm like that's too dumb what was the other name skeletor or something what was it
1: it was like skeletor p funk or something yeah and then even if the details after that are like embellished I think once you start from the point of like this is the real guy the rest of it is allowed to be joke Uh but sometimes when someone is like this weird thing happened to me and it is so fully fabricated it's like well yeah anybody can make up a weird thing (laughs)
0: yeah
1: yeah Um, but like the idea that there's a real person named Eggly Bagelface and just like his joy, right? Like, yes. uh, And him talking about the experience of making prank calls of like talking to this other kid, like, are you also 11? (laughs) Like just being so delighted by how funny this other little kid was (laughs) is like, it's again, it's so, um, it's such a nice space to get into. And, and again, I don't mean to be limiting about what kinds of comedy are good and valid. Sure, of course. I think there's like a, a great joy in like kind of a, a, a hard, a hard hitting, um, more serious minded set of material too. But I think I, I think that the though the comedy that is like that is um, talked about a little more and get and kind of given its due with with a little more regularity you know what I mean? Because I think there's like a real, um, I think comedy that is like joyful and feels relevant to people's lives and is original is, uh, I hold that very dear as like an audience member and like as somebody who uh, endeavors to like make comedy in that mold a lot of the time. It's,
0: well, the thing is, it's easy to dismiss anything else, or easy to dismiss something like that in favor of uh, something like this, in favor of stuff that we take seriously, ironically enough. So it's, it's very easy to dismiss fun, interesting comedy, uh, just based solely on the fact that we assume, I guess, that it is... Maybe not less valuable that there's less content, but there's no less content in this than anything else. It's just it is it is couched in just some insane shit. I mean, when he's talking about porn, he's not really talking about porn. He is a bit, but he's not talking right. about how much he hates the doors in the nicest
1: way possible. By the way, in the funniest way mm-hmm. he doesn't like Jim Morrison. Fuck. So funny. My, I texted, uh, I texted my buddy Casey last night, um, who I think he reminded me that I I told him to listen to this album years ago, but I texted him like, oh, I've been listening to, I re-listened to this album tonight for the first time in like a while straight through. And he just texted me the Burger King Whopper, like (laughs) all caps, which is so funny. Um, I had to write him, down
0: eagle riding on a cowboy's back. Eagle riding cowboys, like,
1: yeah. Him, the, the line that always gets me is uh, him assuming Jim Morrison, like drunk, telling you to bring him to Burger King would call you Sacred Brother. <laughs> like, let's go to Burger King, Sacred Brother. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so funny. Like, You know he'd say something shitty like Sacred Brother. Like, just all, like imagining all those details. It's like, the album is so rich with detail. Like, the yeah. the idea of uh i kill a unicorn right i the at the beginning the the first bit mm. i mean i hope i'm not like spoiling too much for people no, who no, would no, want to no. listen to this but the first bit is like he's talking about how preposterous it is to certain some of his relatives that he's a professional comedian yeah. and he says um he says uh yeah i, I hunt unicorns for their meat it's it's light like it's tastes like cotton candy but it's thick like a steak which is not like the idea of i'm i hunt unicorns Mm -hmm. uh i feel like i've been saying this a lot on podcasts but like dayenu that's a joke in and Mm -hmm. of itself right Mm -hmm. that that would have been enough but um but he takes it the the reason that it's a special joke is the description of that job he's not Mm -hmm. like like I think I hunt unicorns is the kind of thing that could easily be like, okay, sure. You, you thought of a mythical creature, you, you created this fun allegory for your job, but then to like fill out the bit with like describing the uniform of a <laughs> unicorn hunter and does it hurt? No, you pull off their horn and they explode <laughs> and uh, it's painless is like that kind of imagination is like, like, it's so fun. Yeah. And especially I mean, I feel in contrast to myself, I feel like so much of what I say is like like light observations on stuff that literally happened uh-huh. and and so when someone is really inventive in this way it um it me it like it resonates with me in a way that i feel like oh there's like a, a lobe of brain that mine must be very small and this person's must be very large because i don't think my friend andrew mayer who just put out a, a new album um is ha- has a similar like whimsy and when i watch mm-hmm. him it's just like it's a it's so delightful to me um, because I, I I feel like in contrast and again not to be self-deprecating this is just descriptive that I'm like here's what happened and here's why it's here's like a, a couple details of why it's funny to me next thing and I'm mm-hmm. not like world building or sure. um and so so that's one of the the kinds of things I like very much
0: uh, that is uh, the 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 thing that keeps me coming back to stand up, Again, not as a stand up, uh, other than my obsession with how it's what it's become since it started uh, in its various forms is exactly that, that I can enjoy uh, what you do. I can enjoy what Matt Bronger does. I can enjoy somebody like Stephen Wright or, you know, it's just that I don't know. You're all painting still relatively within the same scape. You know, it's 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 all the same type of mind we're working with in, in general it's all a human oh, experience and, and i don't Steven. understand i do oh god
1: fuck he's even right too i mean his his joke about um i forget the the in and the out but he was talking he was talk, mentions this girl or this young woman that he dated in the past and he said we, she worked at the planet or i one of us he worked at the planet either he or she did and he said we would we would lie on top of the planetarium and look up at the stars. I called it a galaxy sandwich. I would take out my harmonica and just play what I, play what I saw. One time a shooting star went by and I almost broke my neck. And like the, the, that first chunk of like that first little bit about we would lie on top of the planetarium and look up at the stars is like so fucking beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's like, so there's so much, it's like, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm such a um like a little Pollyanna doofus about things. But <laughs> I think that 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 kind of thing is not that Stephen Wright has not been widely acclaimed in his sure. career. But um, it's I think that kind of stuff is really special.
0: Agreed. Well, also, and I am guilty of this too of lumping him in with like Mitch Hedberg, uh, who was almost exclusively. If not one-liners, uh, a few lines. Mm-hmm. Whereas, as you say, he paints a fucking picture, and then gives you a punchline, and then might move on to another one line. But th- th- yeah. like holy Christ, like that is a yeah. I have never heard that one. Is that is it's that on? It's off.
1: It's off the second album. That's which why I okay. forget what that's called. Yeah, that's
0: why I've never heard it.
1: It's no. it's really good. I mean, and I saw him. I got to work with him. Oh, nine really? eight and a half years ago. Yeah, my so um uh a friend of mine wrote me an email and was or called me and was like hey uh i just moved to new york and uh and my my friend john called me and said hey do you um do you want to open for steven wright this saturday and it was like in western mass and it was so i knew that it was like a three-hour drive
0: because mm-hmm. you
1: want to open for Stephen wright this right if it was it ended up being way more because of traffic Okay, oh, um, right excuse me but he goes Friday traffic leaving New York City, uh, even though I lived way uptown at the time. And, um, you know, so it was a like straighter shot than where I live now in Brooklyn. But um, he, uh, useless details. He, because you want to open for Stephen Wright on Saturday night in Western Mass. And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, don't you want to look at your calendar? And I said, no, what do I have to do that's better than that? <laughs> right. Holy shit, <laughs> so, man. It was great. And oh. so I sat um, with my, my, my friend, who, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who we're now friends. Uh, we sat, in chairs on the side of the stage and he sits for a while cause he plays guitar and, and talks for a portion of his act. So we're just like sitting at eye level. He's sitting, we're sitting, just watching from, you know, whatever, 25 feet away. Well, he's at this beautiful uh, stage at the, I think the Calvin theater in mm-hmm. Northampton. And it was just like, what a, what a thrill. Um, you know and and just like to get to it was a lot of i, I think there was some stuff i hadn't heard before but a lot mm-hmm. of like the classic stephen wright bits which what a joy to see him like still crushing with those and like delighting people who have maybe new people maybe people have heard it a hundred times mm-hmm. it's just great it's
0: a reminder that personality sells so fucking much like it doesn't matter if the joke is is old it's not good yeah, It's, it's are so be good
1: though i mean just like I bought dehydrated water. I didn't know what to add. It's like that's. It's like okay. Well, that that's one joke that no one else can write. One perfect joke that no yeah. one else can write. Of course. That you know. Um, God. And and another uh, another Massachusetts guy. Yeah. Right.
0: Of course. Famously so. Famous. Uh, yeah. Also famous for his beautiful hair. Uh, so many things he's <laughs> famous for. How do you not love Stephen Wright? This. The more I think about soak up the night though, uh, I'm realizing I sort of picture it as a movie and I feel like it would still it could weirdly be a movie. There's a lot. I don't know how but I feel like it could be a movie and not a sketch movie. Even it does feel like you follow
1: Matt Bronger through one insane night. But there's just so much in there. There's so much in there. I I think the like the bouncing from topic to topic is really fun and doesn't feel it, it feels of a piece with you know all of a piece but it also it the the breadth is really wide of like mm-hmm. what he's talking about and um and but I do think there's like a lot of stuff that kind of feels similar like drunkenly going to Burger King right the Jim Morrison mm-hmm. thing and then all the um the Taco Bell jokes mm-hmm. feel like that same trip maybe the jokes about the Taco Bell drive through and like um gosh I'm trying to think of of what, else, but like even the owl stuff, like it feels very like, yeah, it could be the adventures of one guy, like in in a um, Harold and Kumar kind yeah, of way. That
0: might be what, maybe where my brain is going. I mean, even the fast food stuff almost weirdly links in with bed calzones. There's yeah, of course, in there too. Late
1: night eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, and it's, yeah, it, there's just like a real, um, a real warmth and kind of like adventurous spirit about it. I'm trying to think, I'm going to look at the track listing and see if there is, I pulled it up. If I missed much, I mean, there's so much on here, by the way. Yeah.
0: 10, 16 tracks, 16 tracks, by the way, that are also like separate, each of them separated into each bit that is in there. There's just so fucking much. He doesn't get about George W. Bush having a DUI. And again, doesn't feel like it should be in there, but it is. And it works.
1: Yeah. Right. In 2009. I mean, it must have been like something he wrote while he was in office Mm -hmm. and then recorded around when he was leaving office. Maybe even. Yeah. Because he says he's out. So it must have been recorded like right after Obama was elected or inaugurated. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, yeah, good to get it on record. But it's so even that that bit about like that's so inventive. Right. Like, you know, let's not judge every person. You know, people have made mistakes. But to get a DUI as a rich white guy in Texas in the seventies, like the level of drunk you have to be. Mm-hmm. And then the actor that is so like imaginative and gross. <laughs> and, yeah. They just, he just covers so much ground. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: what is, Oh, right. See, I, also I like that you, um you can do a lot of fun things with titles on an album. So if somebody chooses to look, I mm-hmm. usually am a person who likes to look and see what's up ahead. Uh you have no idea what Country Boy Wins Again is until you are right at the no. end of that track and it's so dumb and it is childish and again works perfectly.
1: Yeah. I I I think there's just like it's so like door's whopper. It's like what the yeah, hell is that? The and then mm-hmm. yeah, and then it's it's Jim Morrison uh mm-hmm. singing about <laughs> and it's just yeah, there's so it's so unexpected. Like I think there's there's ways there are ways to do feel like this kind of comedy with this energy that mm. feels very familiar and there's a skill there's a skill to that certainly to be like hey remember playing tag and like a big act out about like what was so scary about being it and like high energy and kind of like the the comedy of like remember remember this everybody but this is not that this is like the comedy of Remember Now, which is its own, like, different, and, and I think there's like a level of the, you can, you can talk about stuff from the past with a lot of depth, or you cannot, but like, yeah. this is stuff, like, looking at this, this kind of now with like such a, a warm glow.
0: There is so much comedy of maybe this ilk too, that might go out of its way to, sort of punch you in the face at the end with a very positive message. Whereas it's just like, this is also just, no, this is another set. This is a set that I took my sweet time with, but it is not, it is positive. And I think relentlessly so, but not in a way where he
1: points out how positive he is, I guess is what I'm saying. No, I mean, I think that like the, the message is, or the, the feeling is so powerful, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't, and, and, and not again, not, I, I try to be very careful about not speaking ill of any, specific genre that I don't think is like openly pernicious. It's just like not what we're talking about at hand, you know? Yeah, yeah. But like in contrast with, you know, I think there is uh, there can be a value to to saying like, uh, uh, I mean like Carlin would end sets, right? With what was it? Take care of yourself and take care of someone else? Was mm-hmm. that what, what he was right, saying? So yeah. like there is I think that that is not an artless thing to do, to, no. to like put a, put a button on it or put a bow on it. But I think to just like leave people with this feeling is its own Thing, which is yeah. which is a thing that like I think Brian Regan does I'm trying to yeah. think of like who who else like really accomplishes that- mm-hmm. and, and with such a uh, they like like an infectious joy that doesn't necessarily have to be named
0: yeah yeah i I agree and i, I i'm I'm glad that you picked this because it was not something I would have necessarily known existed. I like him, but I, mm-hmm. I don't... Unless somebody tells me to listen to a record, even though I've got 700 of them sitting here, I'm probably not going to listen to it anytime soon. So sure. uh, it's nice when somebody suggests something new, and also newer. Like, again, only
1: 11 years old, this record. Um, Which is, I mean, that that makes me feel... I, I feel so much of my whole life is different than mm-hmm. it was in 2009. Everything about it. I I lived in... I, well, I I I think I lived with my parents for a couple months mm-hmm. and then I was, I was driving cross country for like four weeks to five weeks and then lived in Alston and Brighton again in Boston mm-hmm. uh, and was teaching preschool full time oh when I was home. Uh, and, and so I, I was, was, you know, dating someone who uh, I'm obviously no longer dating and, mm-hmm. and just like every every like checked box in my life was practically different. I was, I was bald then too. Um, (laughs) So that's, that's like the one constant is my shitty hairline that has (laughs) been a constant since my early twenties. So yeah. Um, I didn't want to ask, but (laughs) I'm thank you for, for extending that to me, that, that grace to me, but you know what I mean? And so like that, there's so much, so much of my life has changed, but I like this, um, I have such a, an appreciation for this album still. I like that you came back to it and came back to it in, a,
0: in such a positive way. I mean, it would suck if he's your friend and you're like, oh, I hate this now. But it's, it is a, it, it is nice that you came back to it and it is still lovely. and
1: silly. Yeah. That I mean, there's, and again, like we talked about earlier, there's so much stuff that just doesn't hold up by being uh, a, a consequence of its time, even if there's nothing cruel or like off color about it there's sure. just like there's stuff you listen to from 15 years ago that just the frame of reference is so different yeah like the, yeah. the idea of there was no uh i guess 22 the year 2000 right there yeah. there's some you don't think about that as being like a full other era of entertainment but like facebook didn't exist 20 yeah. years ago yeah. and um so just like how everybody thinks about everything has changed so much. And so there's like this framework. I mean, oh, this was the big one. Um, Jerry Seinfeld's HBO, HBO special. I'm telling mm-hmm. you for the last time, mm-hmm. which I rewatched a few years ago for the first time since like my grandmother VHS taped it off of HBO in, two- mm-hmm. in 99 or 2000, whenever Seinfeld ended right after that. And he, there's a big chunk about how lax airport security is everywhere um just the idea that they don't give a shit that they don't that they're not there to protect anything that it's uh loosey-goosey and and then a year and a half later that completely changed where everyone's experience forever there since then for the last 18 and a half years. Yeah. The experience of going through airport security is like a uh, rigorous and uncomfortable security theater. Yeah. As a, uh, but there's a joke in there about um, someone scan. Do you know the bit that I'm talking about at all? He's talking, he's talking about the, the airport security agent looking through his stuff and he goes, what's this bowling ball shaped candle, send it on through. Right, and funny. it's like, so it's such a funny visual of like a cartoon bomb mm-hmm. and it's just that joke is especially to to young if you were born in 1995 let's say yeah. or even 1990 or after mm-hmm. that that just does not track as lived experience no
0: no yeah it, it's uh i think and and weirdly a, a couple weeks ago well by the time this comes out a couple months ago oh we talked about um uh, shit. David Cross's shut up, you fucking baby. And yep. that is just barely post 9-11 enough yep. that it. Uh, if you compared those two in a sitting, that would be distressing, but interesting. Yeah, um,
1: and 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 that's like a matter, obviously, of one like cataclysmic historical mm-hmm. event. But being on either side of that, n- not by being wrong or thoughtless, mm-hmm. just the the jokes feel so much a joke can feel so different. Whereas mm-hmm. like. You'd maybe maybe some of the stuff David Cross was saying on "Shut Up, You Fucking Baby" people would be like, "Come on, man!" You know, in in uh, June two- of two thousand, and, well, and so yeah, yeah, and so much of the stuff that um that Seinfeld was talking about, or at least that chunk in in two thousand, a year and a half later, is like comically obsolete. Oh
0: yeah, big time, and also there's plenty on. David Cross's album that I think we discussed is mostly like George W. Bush is the worst president we've ever had. That kind of stuff doesn't track anymore either. Um, you know, I mean, since, um, he's
1: still really bad, but it's like terrible. Sure, uh, but in this moment, it's like, well, we got to keep our eye on the terrible ball that's being thrown at we us. Really do in this moment. But I, I am like the, the kind of, not that this is what you're doing, but like the George W. Bush, like he wasn't that bad. Is like no, thank you. You uh, know, when people's that yeah it's that. like absolutely no, he's just not doing it now
0: we haven't redefined war crimes since then i don't think so i think yes yeah,
1: yeah yeah still, so still yeah. he's still got in under the wire on the old <laughs> definition of war crimes which is war crimes
0: yeah oh shit um but okay let's do this so that we don't end this on the words war crimes um sure uh <laughs> give people a couple sentences you know you're not limited to that, but why give "Soak Up the Night" a listen? Uh, maybe we can assume they don't know Matt Bronger.
1: Sure. You know? Yeah. So my my pitch for Matt Bronger is that he is warm and silly and inventive, but but fully accessible and like generous to the audience. Um, he is he's doing comedy for the audience to laugh. That is also like really unique and and. Uh, like in- inventive from his own brain right so it's, it's both which I think are like two qualities that when they go hand in hand is really fun but also I think a lot of people that I know that are not big comedy fans have a have a problem with um comedy that's too mean mm-hmm. and and not you know I think there's a time and a place for like real mean comedy I love a real mean joke um but excuse me I think sometimes that is a little like grueling and stress can be a little grueling and stressful to listen to if you're in a certain headspace and and I think like um there are so there again we know the examples of the like really sharp social critic comics right Mm -hmm. And, and and the really um fast moving kind of edgy nightclub comics. And I think that that is that those genres I think are well chronicled, but I think like to separate this genre out from that and not to say that you can't like both, but to say like, Oh, if you're in the mood for something that is like inviting and exuberant and makes you feel good, but doesn't feel like you're being, your intelligence is being insulted, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's smart. Like the jokes are smart, but they're fun. And like, smart, silly fun is, is like my favorite thing to recommend to people.
0: Agreed. Perfect. No, that's wonderful. Um, so, here's my thing. This, this, Unless you have something coming up, uh, and w- in which case I can move some things around, this is not going to come out for quite a few weeks. That's okay. Um, but, again, if you end up having something you need to promote in the meantime, you let me know. I'll change that. Um, but, I don't think anything's going to happen in the next I few weeks. I know. I'm trying to be hopeful. Uh, why don't you tell me where people can find you, maybe where they can find albums, anything like that.
1: Absolutely. So... <sighs> JoshGondelman.com has info on most of the stuff I do. You can uh, listen to my albums. You can order my book. Nice try stories of best intentions and mixed results. Um, I also have a podcast of my own. It's called make my day. It is a comedy game show where there's only one contestant. So they always win. And every week they win the grand prize is A $100 donation to the charity of um, of the contestants choosing. Love
0: it. That's delightful. Thank you. That's good. Thanks for putting good out into the world. That's such a nice thing. I appreciate that. I'm doing my best. Um, boy oh boy well I've got nothing to promote because uh, by the time this comes out I don't I literally don't know which of my shows are, are, are on or off because they're all limited series except for my three. Oh, you mm. know what there we go just ladies and gentlemen go ahead go to StolenDress.com that's where all my podcasts are you can listen to Comedy on Vinyl which is this one why am I advertising it on its own show uh, Dan and Jay's Comedy Hour where I talk about my comedy with my best friend going back almost 30 years now and uh, Dispatches from Fort Awesome which is a podcast about the television show News Radio so mm. Thank you so much again for doing the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, PO Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts Undress Entertainment.
1: Hey, it's my turn. Ah!